Boom, boom, how's it going? Yeah, it is another Empire Successful Friend and welcome, of course, to Empire Successful Friend where we talk to another successful friend of Empire who is killing it in their own right. And what do we mean by killing it in their own right? Well, we're going to find out. I'd like to introduce you guys to Jade. I've been hanging out with Jade for a while, probably about two years or so. Uh, and today I said, said, let's talk about your journey. And Jade, Jade, how's it going? Very well, thank you, Zara. Uh, Thanks for having me. Awesome stuff. But Jade, tell us your story. Where are you from, man? So I'm from the Windy City, uh, Port Elizabeth, down yeah. in the south. Um, I grew up here from Port Elizabeth and just love the city. Eh? Absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, I guess a, a bit about my journey. Um, just went to school in, in Port Elizabeth. Um, during school, really loved sport. I wasn't the most uh, academic person around. That was yeah. not my forte. I just sort of scraped through, did what I had to do, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I guess the sport on the sports arena was really what intrigued me. Um, rugby, cricket, motorsport. And after school, I moved to Durban for three years. Um, yeah. I pursued a bit of a rugby career, went to the Sharks Rugby Academy, was there for three years, played some, some uh, rugby over there, picked up a couple of, couple of injuries, which started making me think twice about, you know, pursuing this career. Um, right. And, you know, it's, it's a fact that most sports people only have a career of 10 years, maybe, if they're lucky, right? Um, so... Then I moved back to Port Elizabeth, um, started studying, did a BCom at uh, NMU here in Port Elizabeth. And then in my second, my, my third year of varsity, I got an opportunity to go into business. And I said to myself, well, if I get my degree, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to go into the field and I'm going to go try and get a job somewhere, right? Because a degree doesn't always mean that you're going to get this high paying job. You always start at the bottom. Right. So I had an opportunity to go into business for myself, be my own boss. And obviously at that stage, I didn't know anything about business, but just went for it. And that was in a different industry. That was in motor industry. Um, and then I had that business for about nine years. And in between that, and I think our stories, we sort of relate a little bit when it comes to business and we've had some failures, you know, and you sort of learn and grow from that. But I, I, I bought I my remember. first property. I remember the first time we had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. Uh, you, you, you're from PE, right? And I'm, I'm in Joburg. And we were having this conversation whilst we were in Durban. Um, yes. And we were just exchanging notes in terms of how to navigate life. And we actually realized that our parts, even though we lived in totally different towns, we are of different race, we are different age group, but we had so much similarities within our journey. Yeah, hundred percent. It was quite, it's, and it's quite refreshing to hear that from someone else, isn't it? Yeah. Just so you can really relate to what what's happened to you in your life, you know, with your yeah. business experience and all that. Um, just really interesting. But those things make you grow, right? It's it's all those little things that happen, and you can either move forward or it can take you backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess carrying on as uh, I then had that business. And right. then what, what kind of business I just started reading books. Man. Uh, what, it was uh, kind of in the motor industry. Yeah. So we we basically were uh, a supplier to the car dealerships. Right. So we did accessories, we did valets, smash and grab tinting, all kinds of things for vehicles. And then when they get delivered, the end product would then be delivered to the customer. Right. Okay. So so the, the car dealerships were our main customers, right? 
Um, so not a big business. It was about about in the we were about twenty staff at that stage, and then we built that up to about twenty eighteen to about one hundred and forty staff. Um, yeah, so it became sort of a medium sized business. business. Yeah, over time, you know. Hey, Jade. Um, and then, what's that? I said in PE, that's a big business because I mean, you're you, you guys are smarter. <laughs> Yeah, it's not Joburg, eh? That's a big business in, P in PE. Maybe not Joburg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything's bigger there. So, you know, it's right, and then, I, then I, st I just started reading books. I'd never read books in my life. Until I was 27 years old, I picked right. up that book they call Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is everyone's, it sounds like a cliche, right? Rich Dad Poor Dad, everyone talks about it. But honestly, that book is what changed my entire mindset on what, right. is, what, is, what is possible and how to do things the right way. That was at the age of 27. And then I just said, wow, I need to educate myself. Otherwise, I'm going to sit in my small business for the next 30 years and then probably have to work till I'm 70, you know, not even be able to retire. And that happens with a a lot of small businesses, right? Um, and after that, uh, I bought my first property. So I didn't know much. I read like one or two books. I knew that I had affordability and yeah. I could get 100% bond. And I bought this nice two-bedroom apartment in a in quite a high-end area. But you know, when you're a newbie, you think, geez, I, wanna, I need to buy it. That needs to look nice. You know, everything needs to be pretty, you yeah. know, because I, I like it. It's got granite tops and that. And I burned my fingers. I, I lost 3,000 Rand every month, you know, after I ran my numbers, you know, the levies and the rates and taxes and the bond and everything. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, well, you know, it's a bit strange. You know, do I wait now for like 10, 15 years before I actually start making money? Or is this how it gets done? And then uh, I attended a two-day, a full two-day seminar. Uh, it was a it was a UK-based company that I think you were familiar with as well. And that opened my eyes. I was like, wow, these guys and Andrew Walker was there. He was, talking it was like wow this is what we do and it just it just sat well with me and i moved forward that day um i got a property investment coach and about three months in i did my first creative finance uh, deal where i flipped the property and i made a, a, a profit and then it was just like wow this is actually what i want to do with my life i just had this thing inside of me i was like well yeah i'm not actually enjoying my business it pays the bills right and I have to do it. I'm the, I'm the boss, so I have to do it. But there's something else here. And I just started building on the side. Like, and I started spending like two hours a day just driving around looking at properties while the business is running, you know. Um, but long story short, that's really what the journey was. And that started there. Um, and then I started teaching a little bit. Uh, part of the SA Property Investors Network, uh, as I know you're familiar with them as well. Uh, became a coach myself, a property coach. And, and I guess now I'm, I'm sort of focusing on a two-pronged strategy, flipping properties for cash and then also building a portfolio um, of, of multi-let properties, bar to lets and some student accommodation. I'm just sort of quite small in the student accommodation, but I'm starting to grow a little bit. So that's that's sort of me in a nutshell, eh, uh, Tara? That, that's an interesting journey, uh, Jake. Um, and I want to come back to the conversation where you picked up the Rich Dad Poor Dad book and you started reading it. Um, and for me, you know, when I started reading that book, 
uh, I was an employee at the time, and Robert, Robert writes about uh, four quadrants in there. Uh, being an employee uh, and being a small business and being a business and being an investor. And, and with that, I literally saw myself because he's he writing layman terms. Uh, and I realized yeah. that, you know, I need to think differently here because I'm an employee. And um, at the time, I was a private client at the bank with the bank that I was working for. I was earning good bucks. I was a young executive and I thought I'd arrived. You know, I used to stay in a good estate and things like that. And I was looking out for different opportunities out there. And I, I knew that at the bank, I wouldn't be at the bank for a long time because one of my uncles was at the bank, like in a different bank in a different era altogether. Um, but when he retired, his lifestyle went down like totally. So I knew for a fact that being employed was not going to be forever. But with that, uh, when I started reading this book, I, I realized that, hold on, as an entrepreneur or as an employee, there's a different thinking that comes with it and you need to be making decisions here. And potentially you can be all of those things in your lifetime or in today's life. And I, I started, intentionally making my life going towards what I wanted to do. And that was the whole idea of investing. And for me, investing meant if you had to buy a property, you leave off the proceeds of the property and you are not working hard. Uh, and no doubt, I enjoy working, right? But I don't work all the time, right? But, but you speak of something else, right? Uh, on that book and, and, and for me, the question that I want to ask of you is what, what was your eye opening? Because you know that, that was my eye opening. I saw the difference there, being an employee, being an entrepreneur, small business, I don't want to be a small business. Uh, and then being an investor. So for me, two places that I really wanted to be. Yes, being an employee, because I can have a, a, um, some form of a salary and I can go to the bank to get some money. So tick, no doubt. But I also wanted to be an investor, right? So I, I started trying to think, what, so what can I invest in? And then, you know, property came along. So that was my biggest aha when I read The Rich Dad Poor Dad. But I've got plenty of ahas that I've got from that book. It opened up my eyes. What was yours? Well, TJ, you talk about the, the four quadrants. And I was sitting in the, in the small business owner quadrant, which, which essentially pays the most tax and typically works the longest hours, right. you know, and when I looked at that, I was like, you know, this doesn't make sense. Um, I could actually rather go be an employee and work for someone and just get my paycheck every single month. Um, but I was working these crazy hours and, you know, if you're your own boss, there's no one tapping you on the shoulder and saying, well done, you know, or you got to do this now, you got to do it yourself. So I also looked at the, the, the investor quadrant. I was like, wow, well, you know, if I can be a small business owner, that's fine. I'm, I'm, you know, getting a good uh, drawings out of the business. I'm driving uh, a nice car, etc. But if I can go over to the investor quadrants as well, and I can have both of those, well, that starts becoming a lot more powerful. But, but a big thing in that book that that got to me is the way that Robert was doing his deals. Right? He was he was using these creative ways and where he was finding them. You know, he was finding them on the doorsteps of the of the courts, as an example. And he was using debt to purchase those properties then he talks about good debt and bad debt right and that's something that people 
don't usually don't know, but it's debt is bad. Like always debt is bad. But if yeah. you find the right property deal, you can use debt to get richer and take yourself towards your goals. Um, so I think good debt is probably the biggest thing I got out of that book is to understand that concept. You speak of Andrew Walker earlier on and you say that, you know, uh, Andrew Walker was there in your session, uh, you know, and I mean, Andrew Walker was my coach um, when I was starting off and um, it, a passionate guy who just gives out, he represents uh, or he owns uh, South Africa Property Investor Network. Uh, you went on to get a coach when you went into a seminar and you paid money for it. Uh, I remember I paid uh, at the time between my wife and I, we paid just below 100,000 at the time that we didn't have, by the way. Um, and mm. we went on to get a coach. We got plugged in into a coach. I, I see a lot of people complaining these days, you know, uh, they don't want to pay even two rand for their education. Mm. And I'm like, well, you, some people admire where I am, but they don't know that I had to pay to get where I am because the education doesn't come for free. Um, and, and I want to speak to you around that. What was your decision making of actually wanting to get a coach? Like how, how did you get to that space? Because there you are, you got a business, you know how it's working. But now you are wanting to go under the shoulders, under the umbrella of someone else to teach you. I mean, we could easily say, you've got it already, you're running. Yeah, so, so Tara, the big thing I think is if you want to learn, yeah, you, you got to learn from someone who knows what, they, what they're doing, right? I could right. have tried to, to do that journey by myself and maybe it would have taken me 10 or 15 years to learn what I know now. But investing in yourself, in your education, to me is a much better investment than going out and buying a property when you don't right. know what you're doing. Right. Because you can go lose a lot of money. You know, you look at your package, let's say it was it cost you 50,000 Rand for you to, to get a coach, which is, it was a similar price to mine. I was saying to myself, well, let me spend this money, get the education first and learn from someone who's doing this. Someone who can hold your hand, right? All the way, as opposed to going out of the market and I already burnt my fingers buying property by myself. Right. I was like, well, I'd rather spend the 50,000 than lose 200,000 in the market. And then I'm probably going to say, well, I'm not, I'm out of property. I'm not going to do property anymore. So investing in yourself is, is probably the most important thing for me. And I think we've, once again, have a similar experience. I mean, even now I'm still spending money on my education. You're yeah. never going to know it all like ever. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I think, so you need to drop your pride as well. I think a lot of people think, well, I don't need to invest this money to learn. Yeah. Well, guess what? You don't know everything. No one knows everything. You're always going to be learning from other people. So, I mean, at the time of this recording right now, I, I have three courses that I'm doing at the moment, right? Um, I mean, you know, I'm a dad. I've got, I've got two kids. Uh, so I've got a course that I'm learning on, on, a, on uh, how to be a better father, how to be a better parent. Um, and I'm learning new things. So I'm on that course. I've paid good money for it. Uh, I'm also on another course where I'm learning a little, uh, a little bit of around digital currents. I'm on another course like that. Um, I'm also learning um, on how to manage finances and things like that. I'm learning that as well. Um, and on top of that, I've got two books that I'm reading. Um, and on top of that, I'm still doing business. 
And, and I like the fact that you've just introduced here to say, you're always learning and uh, you are doing well, but you're learning as well in the same breath, right? Yeah, 100%. You're always, always learning. Eh? So it's, it's, it's a really exciting journey. Um, and that's how you get to success. So you've got to like, you got to put your money where your mouth is. You've got to educate yourself. And then you obviously got to take action, right? Because you can read mm. a thousand books. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a successful property investor or businessman or whatever the case is. You're going to get to that point where you need to take that leap of faith. So, okay, well, I've got the theoretical knowledge. Right. I actually need to go and I need to take action on what I've learned. And that's where I think most people go wrong, right? They do all these courses, they read all the books, but they're too scared or too fearful to actually take that leap of faith and go for it and back themselves. Right, right. Jade, what, what was some of your hindering um, uh, stumbling blocks and some of your challenges that you faced from the beginning? Uh, because, I mean, we've just identified one here for a lot of people. They go out there, they learn, they learn, they learn, but they don't do anything. But what was yours? TJ, I think it's fear, right? Especially in the beginning, you, you're very fearful, even though you've read the books and everyone tells you this is going to work, yeah. you still have that like, self-doubt and that fear. And right. that can be very, very crippling if you cannot overcome that and move forward. Um, and that is the point, I think, where either you're going to be successful or you're not going to be successful. If you're not able to challenge yourself and face the fear and move, take action, that is the yeah. point where we are either going to make it or not. So... I think fear and, and um, a lack of confidence was my big things in the beginning, not believing that I can actually do it. Yeah, but there you are, you're, you're running your own business uh, and that business was successful. You're taking it from 28 people to run about plus 100 people. Um, and this is something that's new, so it's crippling you. You're a little bit afraid around it. Uh, but, but, but I almost want to ask of you the other question to say, you you've got a business, it's fully functional, it's doing well, but you are looking at something else and now you end up into uh, property. And why property? Why not, I don't know, big trucks? Because you are already in the, in the industry for cars, right? Why not Uber? Yeah. Why not uh, taxis? I mean, taxis are here, uh, they pay better than anything else around. Why, why property? You know what? I, I don't know. Actually, I think it is because when I started reading books, right, I started reading more and more books and I started seeing that all these wealthy people, the guys that have made it in everyone's yeah. eyes, most of them own property. Like even if they had massive businesses, they would own these big buildings. And right. I've always just linked owning property to being wealthy and having a nice lifestyle, right? And I think that's what, what intrigued me that the, the passive income that you can earn from property and the appreciation, that's something that really intrigued me. And that's why I wanted to go that route because my business that I was working in, I was working in my business. I wasn't able, you know, there was only a seating where I could get to and I would always have to work like 15 hour days in my business, mm -hmm. but it wasn't going to build a passive income. If I left that business, then that business is going to fall. You know, I'm the one running everything, but property gives you the opportunity if you put the right systems in place where the business can run itself, um, so yeah. to say. And I think that's what intrigued me, right, um, from the beginning. So two things there that you mentioned, Jade, and I think for, for, for some of our audience, they might not even know what you mean by passive income because they don't even 
they, they can't comprehend it. And in their family, there's no one who actually has ever done uh, passive income. So you've got active income. So literally you're waking up, you're going to work, right? But now ex you explain to us, what, what do you mean by passive income? So, so if I compare my business, I had yeah. to be at work, at the business, running the business. That's your active income. You get paid at the end of the month. Same with as an employee, right? Right. But a passive right. is you're not working every day to earn that money. You're right. going out, you're buying a property. And after your expenses have been paid, you might have a surplus of, say, a thousand rand a month. That is passive income because whether you work or don't work, that thousand rand is coming into your bank account. I think that's the danger. That of, yeah, yeah, you, 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 thanks, man. I think that, that I want to touch on, on a few examples of people that might be uh, thinking that they actually have a business and yet they are just a glorified, um, you know, like small businesses. Employee. You are a glorified employee, in my view, that's what you are. So, I mean, if, yep. if you're a doctor, if you stop working, that income is gone. Uh, yep. If you're a plumber, same thing, right? Because all of those people are all small businesses, right? If you design yep. websites for a living. So for as long as you are being active within that business, uh, there's a risk there. If you stop working, that income yep. is going to stop. But but you went on to say, hold on, I want to jump on into the passive uh, uh, lane. And within the passive lane, literally, if you stop working, if you decide not to work, that income is still coming. 100%. That's exactly right. So, that's, right. That's, that's what I was after. I just thought it would be such a beautiful place to be if my properties the passive income could equal my living expenses. That's really all that I right. wanted to get to. Because again, it's like, well, you don't have to work if you don't want to, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying I wanted to be a multi, multi-millionaire driving a Ferrari. I could yeah. just get that point where my expenses There's are nothing equal wrong with to the my Ferrari passive game. income. Ferrari is good also. Well, you know what? <laughs> if that's part of your dream, go for it. No, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but yeah. it wasn't my dream. You know, I wasn't sure. saying, well, I need to drive the fanciest car. I was just saying, if I can get to that point, then any, anything else I earn is just over and above that. Um, yeah. So that's really what, what my dream, dream has been. But, but Jade, you just mentioned something else there, right? Where I'm talking about the Ferraris could end, and you are, you are strong in saying, no, that's not for me. Because I think what happens in, in, in life, and many a times we go out to these seminars and we see all of these people, and they show us their dream and we hook on to that yes. and we take it to be our own because we, we, we don't have a foundation. So we take on someone's dream and like, that's what we want to do. But for you, 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 you you're straight, no Ferrari aim for me and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Um, but how do you get to that point, Jade? where you, are, you, you definitely know who you are and you can definitely close the window on the other part and like, uh -uh, I'm not that. Hmm. Listen, I think it, it, maybe it takes discipline and I think it comes with your journey. Um, right. As I say, it's different strokes for different folks. To me, when I see a guy driving a fancy car and there's nothing wrong with driving a fancy car, like yeah. I also yeah. like cars, but society judges success on material things. 
Right. That's our society. If they see a guy's driving a fancy BMW, they're like, oh, man, that looks successful. Meanwhile, yeah. what you maybe don't know is he's so far under debt. If he loses his job, the bank takes everything he owns. Great. Okay, so I guess it was just that education part where I just learned. I was like, wow, it doesn't mean because he's driving a fancy car, he's got the biggest properties he's living in, that he's this multimillionaire, he's just got all this money. Yeah. I rather wanted to go the other route. I said, well, let me rather buy those things at the end. Once right. I've hit my financial goals and I've hit independence, now I can go and buy myself two properties that give me 10,000 rand a month passive income. Yeah. Now I can go out and buy myself a new double care bucky with that money. Right. But right. people do it the other way around. They, they, they get a salary and they maybe go up to a manager level. Now they get 20,000 rand a month more. Now they're like, oh, jeez, I can go buy myself that fancy car in a bigger house. But that's taking them so far away from financial independence. Mm. To get it back is really, really a long and hard journey. So as I said, I'm doing it the other way around. If people look at Jade and they say, well, he's not driving a fancy car. Is he really successful? Well, I know what I'm doing. It doesn't mean anything what, what other people think. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a maybe a mindset thing. I think it's all about mindset, eh? Uh, Jade, I think I think to be truthful to it all, and I think this is where we miss it a lot. Success is is the, the real definition of success in the in the dictionary. It's doing what makes you happy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 I think when we're talking about success, we we actually forget the definition. So if it's making you happy, hey, you are successful. I five to you. You know what I mean? Uh, continue yeah. doing that. Jed, let's let's be a little bit more practical. You are in PE. Um, uh, PE, it's, it's one of the metros in South Africa, if you don't know. And if you've never been to PE, I've been there a couple of times. Great city. Um, is all of your property businesses in PE or different places? Yes, at this stage it is a TJ. Um, and I guess the reason for that is because I grew up here, yeah. Uh, and it's, I suppose you can see it as a sort of small to medium sized city. Yeah. I've just got my whole it's a network. Growing city, in my view. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know the areas, I know people, I know. So I've been investing here because it's a lot easier. Right. Um, so my portfolio sits in Port Elizabeth at the moment. Um, but I'm also starting to look at Joburg. I'm looking, there's some really good multi let deals up there. So I'm starting there's, to put my there's feelers nothing out there. there. There's nothing in Johannesburg. <laughs> Listen, Joburg's big enough for everyone. There's a big piece of the pie there. Okay. <laughs> I promise you there's no deals here. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the plan is to start buying in Joburg and then also UK. Um, unfortunately, sure. with COVID, this the last 12 months have been thrown out the window, but my idea is to go over to UK as well and start building a, a small portfolio there. Right. In Port Elizabeth, what, what kind of opportunities are there? You know, so, I mean, like in your space, uh, what is it that you see more as opportunities in, in Port Elizabeth? Um, and stuff that you've already done and you're seeing success in it and you're, you're thinking uh, in the same recipes, there's still some opportunities, uh, yeah. So, so Tara, if you look at Port Elizabeth, it's one of the best performing regions in terms of uh, rental. If you look at TPN, um, the amount of people that pay their rent on time and in full. Um, there's yeah. an area called Warmer in Port Elizabeth. I think it's the top performing area in the country. I think wow. it's like a 98% uh, 
you know, uh, success rate in terms of paying rent. Yeah. So PE is a strong rental market, and that's sort of something that I really like about it. Uh, people tend to pay their rent. Um, obviously, this you know, some people might lose their job. Then it's a different case. So yeah. I like that about PE. Um, we've got obviously good student market. We've got a, a big university here. Although the yeah. student market is a little bit, and, and you very very experienced with that, um, there's a little bit of doubt in the market, especially with COVID. So I yeah. think it's a scary place to be if you're just looking to enter it now. It's a little bit scary, right? If you if yeah. you don't know what you're doing. Um, so yeah, just multi properties. The, I, I think I want to clarify that statement, James. Whether it is not in COVID or out of COVID, if you don't know what you're doing in student accommodation, I guarantee you, you will lose money. Yeah, because 100%. I mean, there, there's just a lot of moving targets. I mean, you've got all these kids at your house. So yeah. uh, like you need to have your management under control and you make money, yes, when you're buying a property, but the management of it is, 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 is something else. So if it's not, if you don't know what you're doing, you are going to lose money. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone's got this perception of student accommodation. I'm making so much money. It's not always the case. I've seen people lose sure. a lot of money in student accommodation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just talking about that management, you know, you make money when you buy, but you also got to keep that money. Sure. And if you've got bad management or you don't have any experience, you're not going to be able to keep that money. So then it doesn't really matter what you did on the bar. But um, so it's very important. So student accommodation is one of the things. Um, and then also, you know, multi-let. I sort of look below the million rand mark in PE. Right. Okay. Very, very active market. Uh, I think countrywide, but PE specifically, you can pick up like a four-bedroom house for 800,000 rand, where it might cost you 1.5 million in Joburg or in Cape Town. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities. No, in, you, you in, in Cape Town, there's nothing for one. <laughs> it's three million. It's Cape Town's three million. Joburg's one point five. Yeah, yeah. So, so PE very strong in rental. Uh, statistically, it's saying that. Second thing is that it's a growing town. Uh, third thing is that uh, there is a um, uh, good play in student accommodation because of the university that is there. Um, and you are in the heart of it, right? Um, and in, in all of this, right, and you, obviously you're trying also to put your wings out there. Why would you want to do that? It sounds like PE is pretty strong. Why, why look elsewhere? Yeah, I guess it's just to maybe start looking at bigger deals, right? Sure. Um, and there are really good deals up in Joburg. And when you have a strong network, it doesn't really matter where you're buying. Right. Okay. So when you have the knowledge and the experience and you've got the tools at your disposal on the network, you could be buying in Joburg, Durban, Cape Town, doesn't matter. The same principle applies. You don't really have to fly, you don't have to fly and go view the property if you don't want to. So I think that's the beauty, hey TJ, and, and I know you this is what you do. You guys buy countrywide. And it's the same principle. So it doesn't matter if it's PE or Joburg. If I find a deal in Joburg, I can do it because I've got the team that can help you over there. Yeah, you, you, you're dead right on that. I agree with you. Uh, for as long as you understand that market and you're comfortable in it, yeah, go for it, you know, because you don't know where the next uh, big boom is going to be. So if you are in there already and you've got one or two properties, if it gets boom, you're already in there. You understand it. How do yeah. you buy all of these properties, Jed? I mean, in terms of... Um, you know, there's different structures out there that people utilize. Some people use trusts, some people use companies. 
others that don't know they're still using their own name uh shame on them but in 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 your world in terms of being in pe what's what's your what's your recipe uh, teacher, i think uh, how do how do i buy the properties i think that was your first question um so i, I love creative financing um right. other people's money opm the concept robert teaches so i've got investors that would put money into my deals right so i would go out i'd find the deal i'd negotiate the deal and i would then raise the finance that i need through the investors um sometimes i'll do a mix between bank finance and investor finance okay very seldomly do i use my own money in my deals yes i do you know if you do a nice flip and you make hundred thousand rand you can use that money for anything you like you can put it into a bond you can put it into your next deal whatever the case is um so so a mixture between creative finance and as an ex, as an example installment sale it's one of my favorite strategies at the moment because you can buy property for no money or for very little money sure. um on an installment sale basis and you know i think we could probably talk about just that one strategy for a couple of hours but really really great strategy to implement if you know how to negotiate it so another thing i did last year when the interest rate started going down got to like seven percent i refinanced two of my properties right you know because now that you know, so I pulled out money out of my equity in those properties and I used that then for next deal. And so you can start snowballing, snowballing um, your property portfolio a lot quicker if you can leverage debt well, good debt, not bad debt. Okay, so that's quite important. So that, that's how I do my deals essentially. Before you jump onto the structure part, uh, Jade, someone said to me the other day, uh, no, don't, don't refinance because if you're to refinance, uh, the interest rate is going to correct and you're going to be underwater. And yes. I just walked away because I, I couldn't engage in that conversation. But in, in your case, Jay, um, why, why would you refinance? And uh, the, if the interest rate's correct, what are you going to do? Yeah, so listen, it's all about mitigating risk for me in property, right? right. You have to look at it and say, well, it's not going to be 7% interest forever. It might yeah. go back up to 12%. So when you're looking at that next deal, okay, you need to consider, well, if I'm taking out my equity, my bond's going to go up higher on that property. But the new deal that I'm buying, the cash flow I'm going to make, the passive income I'm going to get is going to more than cover the extra money that I took out of the bond. Preach. I could then go, and if I'm flipping a property, as an example, yeah. if I'm using that money to flip a property and I make a profit, I can put it straight back into that bond. But even if the interest rates go up to 12%, you have to stress test all your properties. Run it on 12% from the beginning. If it works, well, then you're fine. Then the extra money is just a, an absolute bonus. So it's all about mitigating risk to me, eh, uh, TJ. So when Jed is saying that he's, he's uh, stress testers, is basically what he's saying is that he will run different scenarios on his numbers. Um, and uh, he'll put in different scenarios and he'll put in different interest rates uh, for what he's wanting to do for a property that he's going to buy, for a property that he already has now where he's taking the money in. And at some point you put in a worst case scenario. If you're still making money in the worst case scenario, then you can do it, right? There, there's yeah. no reason not to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jada, are you still running your other business or you've shut that, you've shut that down? 
no, no. So that's I'm full time in property, uh, TJ now. Um, living living my dream. So I also do work as a as a, a qualified agent. I'm a commercial property broker. Really? Um, so I, so well I sell I know properties. Sorry. Well done. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. So um, so I do that as sort of my job. Yeah. But what I like about it is very flexible. So sure. you know, if if I want to spend three hours in a day going to look at properties from my personal portfolio, I can do that. You're yeah. earning commission, so the harder you work, the more you make, kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. the nice thing about it is, yeah. is you really get into the market. You get to learn who the big players are, and you start to get to know them and see how they do their deals. You know, so as an agent, you usually just earn a commission. But I already did it because I'm going to learn how to actually how the big boys do it. The guys that own the 200 properties, the commercial buildings, um, you're sort of rubbing shoulders with them. So that's that's been very valuable. That's a, that's a very good strategy of going ahead because, um, and I see a lot of guys jumping into the estate agents these days, you know, they go to courses and then they automatically they jump on into an estate agent. But would you agree with me that an estate agent, the way they are trained and the way they think is very different from an investor. And I actually don't like to work with an extreme estate agent. Uh, yes. I like to work with a guy who understands being an estate agent, but who also understand the world of investing because the guy who's in the middle ground understands the nature of deals. When we're talking yes. about investing, would, would, would you agree with me there? Yeah, so you absolutely. You kind of like nail have different head. heads that you need to be wearing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's strange because I can see both sides of the coin, right? I get, I get people buying property from me as an agent and they're coming in with these low ball offers and I'm like, well, I know exactly what you're doing here. You know, <laughs> it's okay. I'm not angry. Um, but a lot of state agents, the ones that are on the other extreme that are very against investors and what we do, those are the people that often don't make deals work. You got to have right. a bit of an open mind. And when I sit in our office sometimes with the other agents, all they're thinking about is the next commission. Oh, yes, if I sell this building, I'm going to earn a commission. Wow. I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking, you know, it's nice to earn a commission. Yes, a nice lump sum of cash. But I'm already thinking, how do I buy that building? You know, how do I use that commission to go buy myself another property? And exactly how you said, most agents don't think like that. Um, they're just thinking about commission. Uh, a friend of mine said to me, TJ, there are two, two types of estate agents. There are estate agents and there are deal makers. And... You, you are jumping in into the deal making. So you're always looking at how best can I get some money first or how else can I even buy it? Or how else can I sell it as a ready deal to my investor networks? Uh, someone yeah. else who already knows and you're no longer just presenting a shell, but you're presenting everything else that comes in with the deal and it's on the team. Yeah, hundred percent. And you, you know, you start to get to know buyers. You start sure. to get to know who's sitting on money, who's looking for deals, and right. and you're gonna start putting the puzzles together. Take this building. This guy might want it, or can I buy it with this guy? Can I do a joint venture with this investor? You know, and negotiate the price down. You know, listen. Being an agent, there's some legalities around it, so you gotta be very careful that yeah. you don't misrepresent yourself. As an agent, you've got to be honest with the with the seller because you're actually representing the seller. Right. Um, typically. So you're going to be upfront. If you want to buy the building, you got to tell him, right? It's, yeah. it's the law. Um, yeah. So you got to be 
very ethical. Like that's the yeah. one part of yeah. being an agent. But as long as everything's on the table, you know, there's 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 nothing wrong with it. So I wouldn't recommend everyone just go and be an estate agent. It's just the route I went because I wanted to be in the industry full time because it's not just commission. There's a lot of extra perks that, that you get being in the industry. 100%. Jade, you've got a family. You're in P, you've got a family. Uh, you, you've got a family. You've got a, you've got a uh, estate agent job. Uh, you've got your, um, you, you represent uh, South African Property Investor Network in Port Elizabeth, um, which is a big job. Uh, by the way, thank you for doing that. Um, and the third thing is that you yourself are a professional investor. Where do you find the time to do all of these things? And how do you balance it? If there is a way to balance anyway, man. <laughs> that's, that's the age, age old question. I think it's, um, it's sometimes very difficult because there's times where you really have to work hard, eh? Like right. you got to put in the work to go get those deals. And sometimes you have, in fact, if you want to really make it, you got to work overtime. You got right. to sometimes sit till 12, one in the morning doing stuff that you didn't have time for in the daytime. But I think TJ, the most important thing is to have that support system. Right. You know, your, your, your spouse and your family is probably the most important thing on, on a journey to success, in my opinion. For sure. Right? Because if you're working 18 hour days, you know, you're going to get, divorced or something's going to happen if you don't communicate with your spouse say listen these are my goals we're going to have to sacrifice a bit of time together for the next couple of years but this is the end goal and we're doing this together right yes you still have to spend time with your family of course you got to take a saturday or you got to take a sunday and just go spend it with them not do work but they've got to understand the journey you on in your goals and your dreams um and how that's going to benefit them as well so you got to really plan well isn't it you know, you also in that thing, you, you got to plan your days. You got to say, well, this is what I'm doing between these time slots. I've got to focus. And then for the next hour, I can spend time with my, with my little daughter, as an example, you sure. know, or go fetch them from school or whatever you want to do. And then at late, later, I've got to work again. So I think time blocking and planning your week properly is, is absolutely essential. Otherwise, you're just going to be like a headless chicken running, you know, each way and everyone's upset with you and you're dropping the ball. Correct. I agree with you. Speaking of those benefits, Jade, um, from the time when you started, when when did you start it? When did you start like, like you saying I started now? Um, when do you when did you put in that you know uh, line on the ground to say I started to where you are now? So uh, I don't know how long you've been you've been at it. How long have you been at it? So I guess the starting point for me where my whole entire mindset changed when I was when I was twenty seven. So I'm thirty three yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So it's 27 was when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. That's when I just said, well, my life's going to be different. I'm, so I'm, I'm going to retire early. Yeah. So, so I guess when I was 27, that was really the start of it. And right. then it's been an, a, a journey from, from then till now. Within the last six years, Jade, um, what, what are some of the other benefits that you've actually now realized? And it's tangible. You can see it compared to when you were starting off, it was just, you know, dreams. Um, in, in your space, have you, have you gotten to that level yet or, or are you still working? No, I think, so. listen, I haven't achieved everything I want to achieve in life. Uh, you know, sure. I've still got some really big goals and dreams that I want to hit. Um, yeah. But I, I guess if I, if, I, if I relate it to property-wise, you know, what's nice about property, it's, it's tangible. You know, you can right. see it, you right. can go to it, you can walk into your property, 
And that's the sense of pride you feel as well. So I guess, you know, building my portfolio and just seeing my properties and how they're performing, that to me is a is a measure of success in, in my eyes. Maybe, I don't know what other people see it as, but yeah. um, I really get pumped, man, when, when I close a deal. The whole process, just finding the, the, the deal, negotiating it, closing it, and then having that property being yours is just oh, it's such a nice feeling. Um, yeah. So I guess that, that's, that's really a measure of my personal success in my own eyes, just seeing my properties grow. And yeah. also the friends and, and that you make in a network. Like, yeah. I mean, you Which always talk me, about networking. Me and you would have never met. No, we wouldn't have, you know. But networking and talking to people is uh, also a passion of mine, you know, just meeting guys all over the country that are investing in property, same vision, we're doing the same things. And yeah. you actually make lifetime friends. And that's a that's an added benefit, I guess, of this journey. Um, just True. meeting the right people and doing the same as you're doing. Jade, let's jump on. Do you have a practical deal that you've done in PE, whether it's a recent deal or whatever, um, that you've done, just demonstrate to us high level. How did you find it? Um, what were the high level numbers? What did you do with it? Okay, so I, th I think, so I'm currently busy with a student property, but what the one I want to talk to you about is a small flip that I did last year um, yeah. because I just liked the way that it played out. You know, it didn't make that much money but um let me run you run you through it quickly so right. one of the avenues that i use to get um in front of private sellers is um with a specific deal was a small newspaper advert that i had in a local paper which is a free paper so the whole you know you can just go into the shop and you take the free paper it's got like classifiers and all those things in it so this was last year when was it last year like march this lady yeah. phones me and she says listen I need to sell my property. I see you guys buy property for cash in any condition. Um, can you come see me? Yeah. Great stuff. So I drive over there. I already knew the area quite well. Um, went into the house, very run down. Like these people sold their geezer for money to buy food. Like really? desperate, desperate times, right? Um, yeah. Like rotten floors, the works. Yeah. Okay. But as an investor, that doesn't scare you. Maybe as a yeah. first-time buyer, it will, but as an investor, I, I thinking, get excited there, man. I get excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But, but you know, what's very important is we're not trying to take advantage of people. We're trying to see how we can provide a solution to their problem. And I just listened to their story, TJ, and, I, and they were telling me their story. And I was like, okay, the best thing that's going to work here is a cash offer. All right. As quickly as possible. I'm not going to take a bond out because it's going to take an extra couple of weeks and stall this thing. I'm going to make them a cash offer right now. Had my contract with me, my offer to purchase. I filled it in right there on the spot. And I said, listen, we can do this deal. The cash deal. Let's do it. Let's sign it. They read through it. They hardly asked me any questions and they just signed. Boom. I had this, had this deal. But the interesting thing was that they actually cut that newspaper advert out almost a year earlier. Really? So, you know, I'll talk about planting seeds. You know, right. today you're telling an agent what you're doing. In yeah. six months or 12 months only, that agent maybe phones you with a deal. Now, that seed was planted a year before, which I didn't even know about, Yeah, which was amazing to me. I was like, geez, that is why we carry on that consistently looking for deals. Anyway, yeah. so he told me this, and I was just quite impressed. And, and I concluded that deal. They lived in the property, so I couldn't renovate it before registration. So as it registered, um, I was able to renovate it. It was a, quite a small renovation, about 35,000 Rand. What, um, what, what property was it? Just give us a it, uh, was a, it was a one bedroom flat in, uh, in a okay. lower income area. Right. 
Okay, like, so so I made an offer of a hundred thousand rand, which yeah. even in PE and even in that area is a very low offer. Like similar properties were selling for about two fifty. Right. So I went in with like a super cheeky offer and I could have gone up, but they accepted my first offer. You know, where do you right. start negotiating at the bottom or the top? Um, so my plan was to flip this property. So I wanted that cash to come in and not rent it out. Okay. Um, so I spent about 35 grand. I just uh, tiled the bathroom, redid the kitchen, uh, uh, sanded the parquet flooring, just made it really neat. Yeah. And while I was doing this, I was already lining up buyers. So I was already, I got permission from the seller to market the property before registration. So I started getting my, my, um, my adverts out. I was like, well, you know, it's coming up for sale. People could start doing it. Yeah. And within two weeks of finishing the renovation, I got a cash offer for 280,000 Rand. So the, the profit I made was just over a hundred thousand Rand, um, mm. which was a quick little deal, man. It was like three months, four months in and out. Um, Good. and so let, let's stop being uh, you, 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 you said to me TJ this is a small deal you know I got a, a few changes Jay this is a lot of money it is a lot of money I suppose in a lot of people's eyes eh? um, this is a freaking yeah, good deal it is a good deal yeah, it, is, it is a nice little flip and you know what it's low risk as well it was like 100,000 rand not, I'm not buying for a million rand yeah. You know, it was 100K, 35K, you know, bit of attorney fees in there and you sell it like straight away. Um, so, let's just a, low market. Yeah. so let's just assume you, you were all in on 150, right? Everything else with yeah. attorney fees and what, 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 okay? Um, so you were all in on 150 and you sold it for 250. Now I sold it for two. I was all in for about 180 and I sold it for 280. Just about 280, so about okay, 100,000 so, net profit, yeah. That's 100%. So, well, here's the thing, DJ, I didn't use a cent of my own money in that deal. So what I did is I raised all the money I needed, purchase yeah. price, attorney fees, renovation costs. I raised it through one investor. The investor gave me all the cash. Yeah. Okay. And I agreed to pay the investor 18% interest Right. on, right. on their money. So I paid them about 30,000 Rand in interest with the capital back as soon as I sold it and registered into the new person's name. So I don't have a return on investment. It's infinite because I didn't use a cent of my own money. Um, so, so that's the beauty of, I guess, when you start doing deals like this, you can make money for your investor. You're helping the seller out of their bad situation and you're making money for yourself. And that, and that money potentially, you know, see that investor, they, I mean, you give them an 18% in six months, you know, they, if that money was sitting in the bank, they'll be getting like, what, 6%, you know? Yeah, even low, I think it's about four or 5% at the moment. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so that investor is actually waiting on the next deal. I mean, I mean, if they called your plate, like, Jade, what's happening? Yeah, and listen, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, once you start building that trust with an investor or investors, yeah. you start doing more good deals. They're yeah. lining up. People are lining up to give you money. It's a very strange feeling. People yeah. are standing there wanting yeah. to give you cash. Yeah. So all you need to focus on is really finding the right deals, Yeah, finding the good deals. Um, and then the money's there. You can do the deals, man. That's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Jed, we're going to uh, uh, ro ro roll it out now and close off the conversation. It's been great hanging out with you. Uh, but before you go, I'm going to ask you a few questions. 
you spoke of you spoke of the rich dad poor dad book and is there another book that you want to recommend maybe a business book or something like that that um folks can just you know go and read and get enlightened that really has probably yeah. changed your mind other than the rich dad i'll say uh, uh, the cash flow quadrant by robert kiyosaki is also a brilliant book um, one, big big yeah. game changer and then another one i'd recommend is the the e-myth real estate investor Right, from right. Uh, Michael E. Gerber. Yeah, Very, probably the best is. book I've, I've read in terms of actually building a property business. Nice. Um, very, very informative book. Okay. You're still young, 33. Um, and if we're to say, Jade, give yourself advice when you was 20, 25, and that's the time that you actually went out to buy the business where there was 28 employees and you pump that up to about 150. Uh, what advice would you kind of like give yourself? I'd say read, read books, because <laughs> I hated reading books. I hated it. I think when I was 27, it was the first full book I ever read in my life. But <laughs> listen to me, the big business, the big CEOs, the big businessmen, they read, man. That's where you get so much information and you're just feeding your mind. So I would say start reading books. Um, at that stage, I didn't know that I was going to go the property route. Um, yeah. But if I could tell myself back when I was 19, listen, property is what you're going to do for, in your life and that's going to be your passion, I'd start educating myself. Um, do seminars, read books, get yourself uh, educated. Yeah, I like that. Well, it, it, in your experience, you're now a coach as well, so you teach others, right? So you're seeing a lot of people coming through into your space. Uh, some they come in with full force power and they have a death in no time. And others comes through, you know, they have no fire at all somewhere and they pick it up. Um, and you've been around other investors as well. You know, you talk of the big boys and people like that in the PE space. What do you think really separates those that are successful and those that are not? What, what like, what's the recipe there? Oh, the recipe to success. I think there's a few things. Eh? I think self-motivation is a, is a very big thing. Right. You've got to have the desire to be successful. Yeah. Um, there's no shortcut, man. In property, in business, doesn't matter what you do, there's no shortcut. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight. Like You've got to be persistent, you've got to be consistent, and yeah. you've got to be self-motivating individual because you're a coach. I mean, we coach people, but if they don't go out and take action on what you teach them, yeah. They're never going to be successful. It's, it's going yeah. to take a lot of hard work to get where you want to get. So I think that's my advice. Um, yeah. And never give up. Don't ever give up. There's going to be some big blocks, roadblocks coming up. I can yeah, promise you that. Yeah. But do not give up. Just keep going. Um, I, I know buying a Ferrari doesn't define your success, but uh, successful. But what defines your success? I think you hit it, the nail on the head a little bit earlier. I think it's happiness, eh, TJ, like fulfillment. Like that is, you know, Rob, Tony Robbins says happiness equals growth. Right. Right. And, and I didn't understand in the beginning, but I've been reading a couple of his books. Happiness equals growth. If you're not growing as a human being, whether yeah. it's buying businesses or property, or whatever it is, or, or in your marriage, if you not keep growing, you're going to stay in the same place. You're not going to be happy. So consistent growth to me is, is where I want to be at fulfillment, happiness. It's not in material things. Um, it's about how you feel every day you get out of bed. 
the, the last one that I want to touch on, uh, Jade, is um, I was afraid for a long time to start in property. And um, there is no one day that I, I haven't been afraid. Um, the more bigger deals I do, the, the more fear there is. And recently I was talking to my, uh, to my, uh, to my mental coach. Um, she, she fixed she me up in the head, man, because sometimes it's a bit scary. Yeah. And she says to me, uh, Tarai, there is no growth when there is no fear. So, it, so if you're scared, you're in the right path. Yeah. And, I was, and I was like, you know, you're sitting on the other side of the bench and I'm sitting here and I want to understand how best can I tame the fear? And she says, you can't. Why do you want to do that? And, and I said to her, <clears throat> so does it mean that I'm just going to live with it? She says, you need to decide whether you want to grow or not. If you decide not to grow, then yeah, it goes away because then you're in the comfort zone. And yes. the question that I want to ask you is because you have indicated in the beginning of the conversation you know, that fear was one of your challenges. And now you're doing bigger deals and now you've got other people's money and all of that. How do you manage that fear? Yeah, Tara, you know what? What's the funny thing is when I'm doing deals now, I still feel the fear. And as you said, it's not ever going to go away. It's more about how do you manage that fear? Right. Um, you know, you sort of know you're in the right space when you're feeling that, but that's why your network's so important, right? I mean, I'll, I'll look at a property deal and I'm about to purchase this deal and it ticks all the boxes. Like the numbers work, the area research is there, <laughs> like everything just works. There's no yeah. reason I should be scared. Yeah. But I'm like, geez, like I'll pick up the phone <laughs> and I'll phone guys. I'll be like, phone Andrew Walker. I'm like, listen, bro, just please, can you please just run through this with me? Because just now I'm missing something. Like, so so it's if you good. don't have that support system, you know, that's that's where it's going to be even more scary. But if you've got people saying to you, well, listen, you've ticked all the boxes here. You can go ahead with this. It just takes a lot of load off your shoulders. So your support system, extremely important, I think. 100%. Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Jade out from Port Elizabeth. And if you are thinking that, Investing in property is only for people in Cape Town, for Jobek. There you are. I've just brought you in someone else who's killing it and doing very well uh, in his own right in Port Elizabeth. And um, Jade, thanks a lot for hanging out with us. Any last comments there from your side before we close? Yeah, pleasure, TJ. Thanks so much for having me. And to all the listeners, you, you, you're in good hands, yeah? Um, I know you're learning a lot from TJ. Um, uh, and thanks very much for having me, TJ. And I think just last word is just doesn't matter where you are in life, doesn't matter what yeah. your background is, you yeah. can make a success out of your life if you just follow the right path. Um, so I think that's my last words. And thanks so much for having me. Awesome stuff. We'll check you out later. Cheers. Cheers. Mm -hmm.